can invite my brother Vito Baldini to come up. And we have the privilege of our brother sharing the word this morning. So, I went to, uh, yeah, sorry about that, man. <laughs> don't, don't know what that snap, crackle, and pop is. It's totally new. We've never had it before. <laughs> Lord, we pray, Father, that we figure that out real quick. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> um, so, Vito is a really good friend of mine, and... Um, I guess we met at, at, in Bible school together, and um, there was a church starting in South Philly, and I go to school with this guy, he's going to, he's a new Christian, and he's going to church out in um, Chester, and um, his name is Vito Francis Baldini, and there's a church being planted in South Philly, I'm like, bro, <laughs> I need to make a connection. <laughs> You need to, you need, you're, you're needed, you're needed in South Philly, and my, my, uh, yeah, my friend, he's, he's from Philly, um, he, uh, might share a little bit of his story with you, but, um, he's been through it, and God has worked in him, and he's working through him every month, every month we give out tons of food, and Vito, Brother Vito, Pastor Vito is the Executive Director of Small Things. And uh, we're just so thankful for the way God using him. A bunch of employees working in a factory, giving out food to dozens of organizations every week. Just, just moving food to people in need throughout the Philadelphia area. Caring for folks. There's folks that we have discipled here and... He has employed and walked through really hard things of life with, you know? And um, I'm just so thankful to have my brother here giving us a word on friendship because he's been like a really good friend to me. Amen? So let me pray for him. Father God, I pray for my brother. Vito, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help him to give an undistracted and completely full of love and power and, and, and just clear message. Thank you, God, that you have absolutely made Vito new. He is a new creation. Thank you, God, that every single one of us here and every single person watching online can also be a new creation. There is nothing too hard for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good stuff, man. Thank you, Joe. I love you. Uh, great friend. And uh, yeah, so it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I'm grateful uh, to be here. Uh, Sunday evening, it was great to hear all the prayers and, and the stuff. And it's always good just to worship with you guys. Uh, yeah, so Joe had called me and was like, hey, I want you to share something. I said, friendship with God. I'm like, that's, that's, uh, that's the thing I want to share about. You're, you were in the Gospel of John, uh, so it was really simple because there's a passage there that says, 
I now call you friends. So uh, I was like, that, that seems like the place to go. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we'll get into our text. And like Joe said, I'm executive director of Small Things, also been part, part of the Liberty Church Network. Uh, that's how I first met Joe. He was a pastor and mentored me in my early years in ministry. And I'm just super grateful for him and his influence and the way that Joe believes in discipleship. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. So let's take a minute to pray. Lord, before this world days even began, your word was in the beginning, and it was with you, and it was you. The mystery of that brings us to our knees. Yet today you allow us to open your word to know you better. So we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts open to your spirit as we seek you. Amen. Now here, listen to words of the Holy Scripture from the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 15, verses 12 to 17. This is a command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I commanded you. Love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as I was thinking about this passage, um, and I was thinking about friendship with God, and particularly uh, my spiritual journey, um, and the way that I actually became a Christian, but also just the way that I relate to God today, and how my process of spiritual uh, growth and development had come, I came across thinking about a time um, when God felt distant. And when I felt alone and I felt afraid and I was angry um, at the world, um, I was 22 years old. I was living in my parents' basement. Figure that one out. Uh, I was working as a plumber. Um, I was selling drugs. I was addicted to pain medication, Oxycontin. And I would work all week at this plumbing job and then go out on the weekends, drink, get high, do whatever I had to do. Then during the week, I would struggle to scrape together whatever money I could find just to continue my habit so I wouldn't be sick during the week. Because as you guys know, opioids make you get sick if you don't take them. So you need to take them every day. And they don't care if you're tired. They don't care if you ran out of money. They don't care what your situation is. You have to take them. So I was doing this every single day. And at one level, I felt because I was young, um, that I was kind of invincible because 22 years old, you don't feel like anything can happen to you and then one day it did. I remember I was in the basement of my parents' house. I was getting high and next thing you know, I just collapsed. And like, I, I, uh, like the right side of my body went a little numb and you know, I remember I'm young, I'm 22, I'm a kid and I'm petrified, and then I remember I couldn't, like, I couldn't, like, pronounce words completely, so obviously they, they bring me to the hospital, and uh, I, I grew up in Overbrook, so we go to Lankin Old Medical Center right there on Lancaster Avenue, it was the closest hospital, 
and I remember sitting in the emergency room. I, I'm petrified because I don't know if you guys know, but when your body gives out, if you have something physically that's wrong with you and something that's happened, it's extremely petrifying because you can't, you feel out of control. And you got to remember, the way that I dealt with any kind of fear in my life was I got high. I avoided it at all costs. I just like numbed myself and didn't face it. Well, when you're laying in a hospital bed and they're running diagnostic tests on you, you can't really run because you're kind of stuck. So I remember being sit there faced with this reality of like, man, like what is going to happen? I remember then the doctor came and he had run a cat, cat scan. And they're like, we found something on your brain. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. Not at all. And they rushed me to Jefferson Hospital in Center City and they went through some more tests. And I remember the whole time I just was so afraid. Like that was the only thing. Like fear was just consuming me. I didn't know what to do. I kept telling them I was in more pain than I actually was in because I just wanted them to pump me with morphine for two reasons. One, so I could avoid and not feel. But two, so I could also not be sick because remember, I'm an opioid addict. So I, need, I, still, I still needed that. So uh, long story short, they diagnosed me with an AVM, which is like an ulterior vascular malformation. It had swelled in my brain, cut off oxygen. I had had a mini stroke. They discharged me and they set me up for some follow-up visits to do some treatment where they would take different options that they could do to try to, to heal me. And I remember the one doctor said, that emergency room doctor is awesome because usually they find these things in autopsies because you end up having like an aneurysm as you get older. You're born with them. There's nothing you can do about that. And I remember going home and I just was, I was just so, I didn't know what to do. And the, and the doctor's like, obviously we know that you have a history of drug use. You should probably not use drugs till you get this, uh, till you get this uh, treated. Well, when you take someone that only knows how to deal with life by numbing and escaping with drugs and you take that away from them, I, I, that's the only thing I knew. So, of course, I get out. What do you think I did? Got high. And I kept getting high. Went to doctor's appointments, got high, and then one day, I remember, I was in the basement, and I don't want to get too graphic, but I'm snorting cocaine off of the washing machine. I have no idea why I was doing it on the washing machine, but I was. And I remember this feeling. I looked up. And I said, God, I hate you. You don't understand. What are you doing to me? And the worlds were just so separate. Like God was so distant from me in that moment. I had felt my whole life had come crumbling down and I was alone. I was afraid. And there was no way that God was attempting to help me. If not, it was his fault for the situation that I was in. So there was this huge divide between me and God, and I felt so afraid and so alone. I'll never forget that day. And I remember sitting there, and I'm like, I just was like, I was just like, I, I got to do this myself. I got to do this myself. No one can help me. I got to do this myself. I'm on my own. And I share that story because what happens when there's this huge divide between you and God, and you feel like you're alone? How do you actually become a friend with God when you feel like you're his enemy? How do you become a friend? We're going to look at three ideas this morning. We're going to look at Jesus, God, as our savior or rescuer. We're going to look at God as our king, 
and then we're going to look at God as our friend. So let's, let's, dive into, let's dive into that this morning. So as I continued on my path of total destruction, afraid alone, thinking I was out to get, think I had to do this all by myself, it says in verse 13, no greater love than this, to de- lay down his life for his friends. No greater love than this. That God, in Jesus, came to earth, suffered, and died on the cross for me and for you and for every single one of you here this morning. Jesus died for you. For me, as I was overwhelmed with fear and anger and the situation in my life, and I know you guys, I mean, people, you, you understand, life is extremely overwhelming, especially when there's like a million things that are happening and you feel like you have to manage it yourself. You are so overwhelmed. Well, the good news is that God has come to rescue you from the very situation that you're in. He has come as your savior. He has come to lay down his life, to rescue you, to bring you back to God, to to that chasm that I felt like I was an enemy of God. There was this huge gap between me and God. God has come to bring me back into right relationship with him. I needed to be rescued from myself. Because the situations were going to continue to come and go. But I told you the situation and the state that I was in, in that washing room, in the laundry room, as I was telling God that I didn't need him, I hated him, and it was his fault. And the true reality was, I needed him more than I knew in that situation. I needed Christ as my savior, as my rescuer, as my redeemer. And that relationship, it's so crazy. When I really came, and guess my, my, my story is kind of crazy because my prayer was, God, I'll try your effing way. Because you got to remember how stubborn I was. I'm snorting cocaine off of a laundry machine when they tell me I can die if I use drugs and I'm blaming God. That it's his fault that I'm in the situation that I'm in. I needed him more than I knew, but I'm so stubborn and so hard-headed. And a lot of that's because of situations I've been through. Life is hard. And when you get hurt and you get beat up and you get battered, you create a wall around you that keeps people away because you were in survival mentality and you're like, I'm going to get through this and I am not letting anyone else in. Well, the good news is that God has not come by force or power. He has come through service to give himself as a sacrifice for you. 
And when I came and I said that prayer, my whole entire life changed. And like, don't get me wrong, I, went to, I had to start going to church and getting discipled and my life started to change. And this was like this God that I knew that like, hey, come help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And my relationship with God was based around this idea that God rescues me from the situation that I'm in. It's a very healthy and a very helpful way to begin a spiritual journey when you think you have it all figured out and you think that you got it all together. I needed to be rescued, and Jesus became my Savior. He rescued me from my sin, from my selfishness, and he began to soften my heart and open me up to be able to engage in life. I needed to move beyond just understanding Jesus as my Savior. This is the command. Love one another as I have loved you. Christ, God is my king. So when you think about this, this is interesting because we don't really have kings today. Um, But think about it this way. And someone shared earlier about, about Satan telling you not to come to church, like he's trying to have everything he can. And by you showing up, to church with your family, in recovery, because obviously I'm clean now, in recovery we talk about this idea of surrender. And the idea of surrender isn't just a thing that we say, but it's a thing that we need to do. So by you showing up on Sunday to church, you are actually acknowledging that God is your king because he is the most important thing at five o'clock on Sunday night for you to sit here with him. And we talk about, like, so let's just think about if there was two kingdoms. Let's just think about a line. Two kingdoms. You have the kingdom of Satan, and you have the kingdom of Christ. And as I, as I sat and I was reflecting upon this idea, is like my whole life was always about me. Like, what could I get? How could I feel good? How could I, how could I do all these things? It was like the very, very selfish in nature, and, and it's very deceiving. And, and these, these, these ways that actually don't get me to where I need to be. And then you have this idea of like that you have this God in Jesus that is actually commanding me to do things. And you don't know, I told you the kind of person I was. Like, I don't listen to what other people tell me to do. Like, I need to figure it out myself. So this idea that I had to actually have this idea of this submission to a, to a type of authority in, 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 in God as my king, that I had to somehow surrender to these commands that he's calling me to do to love one another. This idea that God is the most important thing in my life. That's how we orient ourselves around this idea that God is our king. He becomes the central part of our life. We operate our life in a way as if God is the most important object in our lives. 
Not all these other things that want to pull us this way or pull us that way or I got a shortcut for you. It's so funny. Like my whole life, there's always like another way. You ever meet that guy that like you try to tell him, hey, this is the way you got to do it. And he's always got like a different way to do it. He's like, well, no, actually, you don't need to do that. You can like get around it by going this way. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't actually work in like the real world. Like we talk about a lot in recovery. There's a difference between uh, instant gratification and delayed gratification. Well, I will tell you that when you put God as your king, there's going to be some delayed gratification. Like, to give you a little bit about myself, so I'm dyslexic. School was hard for me. I struggled. I got clean. I went back to Bible college. I got one degree. I went to seminary. I got a second degree. I did these things that were hard. It wasn't that I just woke up one day and was like, boom, these things appeared because I somehow got someone to sign a piece of paper for me. No, I actually had to work really hard over multiple years to achieve those goals. So even though it took a long time the gratification was delayed but no one can take them from me now so we talk about this idea of like when we put God at the center of our life sometimes we need to delay the things that we may think are immediate that are in front of us in order to achieve longer term goals There's not always a shortcut. There's not always an easy way out. Sometimes it just is that you got to walk the process and you got to trust that God is going to provide for you with the outcome. The love that has to do with obedience, this love that we're talking about right here to love one another and to command as, as, uh, as he commands us to love one another. We talk about obedience respect and authority so this idea is in fact that the love has to do with these ideas that we come to know to love sorry come to know to love respect and obey God and check this out if I would have listened to the doctor and decided not to like do drugs once I got out of like the medical when I got out of the hospital would, would, my, would my path have changed? Could things have been better? Instead of taking my way, sometimes we need to delay things. We need to be obedient. We need to listen. We need to understand because our way of doing things, my way of doing things is always contrary to that. So it sometimes takes, it takes a lot of, we talk about, you guys talk about discipleship. It takes a commitment. It takes a commitment to change. It takes a commitment daily. It's not just something that you do, but it's something that has to happen over time. Being obedient to God and listening to his commands can be revolutionary for you. And the fear isn't out of fear like I was afraid when I was going to die. The fear is a fear of respect for the awe and reverence and power that God has. And when you actually follow his commands, God's power actually is now on your side as opposed to prior, when you're going on your own. So this idea that God is my king, I grew to know to like try to follow some of the rules and not always take all the shortcuts. But that alone is still insufficient in a relationship with God, a full relationship. So I knew him as a rescuer. I came to know that I needed to follow his commands But what does it mean to be that he actually wants to be my friend? I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. 
I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. Friends. Earlier in this gospel, I think it's chapter 10, when he talks about the sheep and the wolves, and he talks that the sheep know his voice. You ever been really struggling and you just really are having a horrible day or like things happen to you in your life or someone you know passes away and you have certain friends in your life, I know all of us do, that when you hear their voice or you receive their text or they embrace you with a hug, sometimes words don't need to be spoken. It's just that connection that happens That's the kind of friendship that God wants with you. He wants you to long for that connection. He wants you in the times that you're troubled, the times that you're anxious, the times that you're afraid to connect to him and lean on him in your times of struggle. We learn to listen to God. We learn to trust him. We learn to know him. We learn to help him, and we learn to serve with him. This idea that we come and God wants to actually walk with me, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. So I was meeting with one of, my, one of my mentors, and I'll never forget it. It was just like a weird, it was kind of like a weird experience. We're talking about some pretty hard stuff, and, and, I, and I was talking about some of, some of my past, some of my trauma in my past, and I was just kind of sharing with him how I felt about something that had happened to me. And he just kind of listened to me, and, and then we prayed together, and we kind of like went on. But he walked me to my car. He walked me to my car. And he had never walked me to my car before. And what I realized was this. He was showing me that friendship means... That God walks with us. And he has becomes, I, I use the word companion, on a journey. So he's not just someone that rescues us. He's not just someone that we have to obey. But he's someone that wants us to get to know him and love him in a deep way. And he wants to walk with us. And he wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to long for that connection when we talk to him and when we share our feelings with him and when we get to know him. He wants us to desire that companionship because God wants to be our friend. He wants to rescue you. And maybe you need to be rescued today. Maybe there's something in your life that that, that has just given you a really hard time and you're jammed up. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's your job, maybe it's a relationship you're in, and maybe you're jammed up, and maybe you need to come up here to the altar after, after the sermon and have some of the pastors pray for you. Maybe you need to be rescued. Maybe you've been the kind of person that your entire life you've been trying to take all the shortcuts, and they've kind of gotten you nowhere. I say it all the time because I'm in recovery and I meet people in meetings all the time and I meet someone and the kid's like 20 years old. Now, I'm not that old, I'm like 40, but still, I feel like 20 years is young. So I meet like a 20-year-old, I'm just getting old. I meet someone that's 20 and I'm like, hey man, I'm going to tell you one thing. You can either like decide to face whatever's keeping you out there now or I, we can deal with this 25 years down the road with a whole lot more stuff in between you. 
So maybe there's something that's really jamming you up that you need to commit to a path out of, and you need to actually learn how to have God as your king with that area of your life. Come up and receive prayer for that. Or maybe you just have, like, you've, you've followed all the rules and God has rescued you, but you're really just longing for this connection and this intimacy with God, that God can really walk with you, and you can really begin to have a two-way street. I'm going to read this, and this is, this is, uh, this is uh, by uh, uh, William Barry, and he shares this in his book, Friendship Like No Other. Once we get over the kind of fear of God endangered by early training, we enter something like a honeymoon period with God. That happened to me when I, got, when I first got clean. I mean, everything was unbelievable. This is followed by a period of distance where we recognize how shamefully short we have fallen from God's hopes. This is when I started to understand that, hey, I really didn't know how to follow the rules that well. This distance is closed when we realize that God loves us. Listen to this right here. God loves us. He loves us. Warts and sins and all. And his friendship is solidified. We are able to be ourselves with God. Ultimately, we can become collaborators with God in God's family business. So what is the family business? The family business is to love one another. The family business is to love one another. God accepts us, warts and all, all our messed upness, all the things you've done in the past. He rescues us. He becomes our king. He walks with us. He loves us. We can actually be ourselves with God and be okay because of Jesus. He calls us his friends, and he wants us to join his work in loving one another. He commands us to love one another. I want to step back into the hospital room for a minute. So I'm in the hospital room. And there's a guy, so you got to remember, I'm in there thinking I got like a bra- thing with my brain. So by the way, I didn't die, obviously. And uh, <laughs> unless this was really, you know, I mean, it is getting close to Halloween. You never know. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't die. And I went through treatment and like, and, and, the, and it's everything's good with my brain. I went through gamma knife radiation. But I want to go flash back to the hospital room because that was a process that I had to walk through. Um. There's a guy next to me, and the guy next to me, you ready for this? He's blind, but he wasn't blind like a month before. He had had brain surgery, and he lost his eyesight. And uh, he, he, had, he had, like, he had, like, they had, like, had to cut his, they, it was major brain, take a piece of his skull out, and, like, all kinds of stuff, and then, like, and, and, and he's sitting there, and he's, like, the happiest guy I've ever met, and I'm like, who is this freaking guy? I'm sitting here suffering, trying to get them to pump me with more morphine, you know what I mean, diagnosed with an AVM. This dude's got no eyesight with, like, major brain cancer, and I'm sitting here next to him, like, why is he so freaking happy? I'm like, just get this guy. And then, like, all these people come in and visit him. I'm like, get this guy away from me. And he kept trying to talk to me. And even I was, like, super short and mean. You know, like, when you don't want to talk to someone and you just do all your defenses to, like, get away from me? This dude just kept coming. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? Doesn't he get the hint? I do not want to talk to you. 
but he kept being kind and he kept being nice and I left and that's it I'm like I'm never going to see this guy again but there was something about this guy that like hit me so it's about a month or two later and I'm out here as we say using like Susan you know what I mean using like Susan getting high every single day and I go to this meeting at the community college of Philadelphia which is a 12-step recovery meeting and I walk in the door and guess who's there that guy I'm like are you kidding me I'm like where this guy's following me around his name's blind Joe go figure we got original names in recovery and Joe was this spiritual man who had surrendered to God who had friendship with God he's laying in bed with brain cancer with no eyesight and he has this love that is just abounding out of him because he understood that we are called to love one another because when you become friends with God, you join the work that God does to love one another and God will deploy you. God will deploy you in hospital rooms with no eyesight to meet someone like me. Because God will use you in powerful ways when we surrender and we become friends with God. And this man was walking with God. It was almost like he was a representation. Every time I think about my conversion story, like how I became a Christian, blind Joe is always a part of that story, even though Joe didn't sit me down and like pray over the Bible. But God used his spiritual presence in such a powerful way. It was so overwhelming. When I felt like I was alone, snorting cocaine off the Washington machine, Joe was sitting in the meeting waiting for me. Because God was like, I'm here for you, even if you don't want me yet. I'm in the hospital room right next to you, right. hanging out with blind Joe. Amen. And it blew my mind. And that's what I wanted to leave you guys with this morning, is, uh, is this idea of loving one another as God has loved us. He will use you in situations in other people's lives as you learn to follow him and you learn to follow his command to love one another. Last thing I'm going to share and then I'll close in, close in prayer. In, in, the, uh, in the book of Romans, uh, in chapter 8, it says this. What then are we to say? These things. If God is for us, who is against us? This idea of being a kid that was alone, scared to death, diagnosed with a brain disease, thinking God was against me. God was for me. Before I had any clue who he was or what he was doing, he was waiting patiently for me. He was waiting patiently for me to commit to walk after him, to walk away from the things that were destructive. And when God is on your side, there is no obstacle. There is nothing that you cannot overtake because you are not alone, even if you feel like you're alone. God is with you. And he has called us to love one another. His command is for us to love one another as he has loved us. 
giving his life away to us sacrificially. God calls us to love one another. Let us take a moment to pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your call to friendship. We thank you that you want to get to know us, that you want to walk with us through the struggles of life. You want to know us, all of our brokenness, all of our things that we don't, we don't want anyone to know about. You want to know those things and you want to accept us and love us because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross. And then you want to call us, command us to love one another as you have loved us in sacrificial service to you. Lord, we thank you that you've taught us what it means to, to, to rescue us. What does it mean to have a king in our life? And what does it mean to be a friend? We ask you to guide us, to direct us, and to be with us. In the name of Christ, amen. amen. Oh, and